Over the last several months, we have been asking you if you would be willing to buy a hymnal in honor or in memory of someone. There are forms on the pulpit area. If you haven't done this, please take a moment and fill out a form and hand it either in the offering plate or drop it by the office. We are selling these in memory and honor and we have sold quite a few. But if you're like me and many others, we say, oh, we're gonna do this, but we forget. So if you wanna take time, please do so and fill out the form. And I would like for you to listen as I read from this, hymn 54, like a mother with her children. Like a mother with her children, you will comfort us each day giving guidance on our journey as we seek to find our way. When we walk through fiery trials, you will help us take a stand. When we pass through troubled waters, you will hold our tender hand. In your image, you have made us, calling us by our name, giving strength for every challenge as we gift our fully claim. We can hear you gently saying, do not worry, do not fear, for I'll always go beside you every moment that I'm near. With your vision, you inspire us, giving each a holy call. We will open doors of freedom by your power in us all. Life abundance spreads before us as with eagle wings we soar. Joining in our new creation, we rejoice forevermore. Join us today as we celebrate women.
Galatians 3, verses 26 and 27. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children from God, of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. If you are able, please stand and join us in worshiping with song, What a Beautiful Name It Is.
like his steps, please? Well, good morning. Okay, some of you may, uh, have may seen one of these before. If you've broken something, does anybody know what this is? Good job. It's an x-ray. So many times when you go to the doctor, the doctor can't just look at you and say what's wrong. He may have to like look at your heart or maybe just even take an x-ray by looking inside your body. They may have to take an x-ray to see what's going on to help us get well. Well, the Bible tells us that God looks at the inside for appearance and not what's on the outside. You cannot always tell what someone is like on the outside. But some people may be pretty, but may not be the nicest person. But you might know some people that are very pretty, but might be very nice too. Um, we spend so much time fixing our hair and just making sure that we look pretty on the outside for everyone to see. But what are we really trying to look, uh, look pretty for? The inside, right? See what God looks at it. So 1 Peter 3, 3 through 4 says, Your beauty should not come from the outward appearance, such as braiding hair and we are wearing golden jewelry and nice clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit is great worth of God's spirit. Yeah. You know how teachers tell you not to judge a book by its cover, but... Wait till you open the book to decide if you like it or not. Well, the same goes for looking at ourselves. Look at the inside of people and not what they look like so much. All right, would y'all please pray with me? Dear Lord, please help us to be thinking about what we look on the inside and not worrying about how pretty are we, that we are on the outside. Also help us not to judge people on the outside, but to look at our hearts like we do. And please pray that we all have a good day today. Amen. Obviously, I'm not Barbara Dawkins. Barbara's at home with Reginald. He's having a health issue today, so please be praying for them. Last month, we celebrated the 170th birthday of our church, which was organized in 1847. That was only two years after the founding of the Southern Baptist Convention. The first membership roll on record listed 65 members, 30 men and 35 women. The men were all listed first, then the names of the women were listed. There was no Mr. or Mrs. in the category. No indication of who were kin to whom. We have no way of knowing why the names were listed the way they were, but we like to think that even then our church recognized the personhood of each member. We don't know what every woman did in those early days of the church but we know about one particular one. Associational meetings lasted two whole days. Since people came on horseback and wagons, the women of the host church cooked and served the noon meal each day. Six years after our church began, we hosted 
the Kings Mountain Baptist Association. The members of the host church always provided places to stay overnight since there were no motels. At the end of the first day, member David Hamrick invited all who needed a place to stay to come home with him. 50 people accepted his invitation. His wife, Sarah, had to go home and churn the milk she had left to sour. She was worried about food for all the people and prayed that the milk would turn to butter. Her faith resulted in a little bit of milk left, buttermilk, and a great deal of butter. She served her guest hot biscuit, honey, and butter. Sarah Hamrick truly exhibited the gift of hospitality. Goals for mission offerings were included in our church budget as early as 1895. That year we had the goal of giving $5 for the Indian ministry, $10 for foreign missions, and $11 for home missions. Since preaching was held once a month at that time, it was very difficult to reach these goals. In the 1880s, concerns for missions and winning souls for Christ was growing across our nation. In 1886, Women's Missionary Union of North Carolina was organized. A few years later, on October the 3rd, 1903, Pastor C.W. Salter led the women of our church to organize the Ladies Missionary Society. The women were organized by Mrs. J.W. Wood. The first missions group had 10 members and their offering for the year was $6.10. There were many stories of how women earned their money in order to give to missions. The year after the women were organized, Mrs. J.W. Wood organized the Sunbeam Band for children. The boys and girls were taught about missions and prayed for missionaries. During the pastorate of Reverend R. L. R. Pruitt, between 1908 and 1910, the first Royal Ambassadors chapter for boys was also organized by Mrs. J.W. Wood. These early organizations for missions are now known as Women's Missionary Union. At first, just women organized, but over the years they added organizations for children and youth of all ages. The names of the groups have changed and the activities have changed, but the goals are the same. They learn about missions, they give to missions, they pray for missions, they do missions, and they support the work of the church. On Wednesday nights, our 
education building is filled with the joyful sounds of missions friends, GAs, RAs, and young people as they learn about missions and how to support them. Many of you here today are strong supporters of missions because you were led week by week by faithful women in missions organizations as well as in your Sunday school teachers and your parents. The WMU used to have what was called the Sunbeam Band, which is now Missions Friends. Mrs. M.A. Jolly, the mother of Lansford Jolly, led that group for 32 years. Others we remember with grateful hearts are Emily Washburn, Ruth Hamrick, Evelyn Allen, Miriam uh, Allen, Marie Hamrick, Katie Ruth Dixon, Jocelyn Clayton, and Sonia Jones. We also honor those who serve faithfully today with their time and dedication each week. We know that when women teach and lead, that many men and children help in their families by having quick meals or getting their own. It takes everyone working together. In October of 1994, Linda Page, the pastor's wife, flew to Gomer Zaire, and for three weeks, she used her nursing abilities to minister to refugee children from Rwanda. Murdor, a faithful member of WMU, organized a prayer chain for our church. She reminded us that missionary churches are built by missionary prayers. Our prayers for the Oddly Hamricks in New Mexico, the Schroders in Boston, and Margie Hamrick, who flew to Togo and used her nursing ability, have helped to shape our church. Because of one of our members who grew up here and was ordained by the church in 1988, our whole church supported a missions trip to Gallup, New Mexico, to work with Audley and Della Jo Hamrick, who had for many years worked with the Indians in that area. In order for folks in our church to go on that trip, as Bonnie Dowdy recently reminded us, there was a gigantic yard sale held on the south side of the building Everyone cooperated and supported this project to raise money for this trip. Folks of all ages, men and women alike, shared on this trip. The women of our church have challenged us to continue the good work of reaching people for Christ through missions for all these years because of their faith, and the strong foundation laid by them, we pray that the men and women of our church will continue to meet that challenge. 
In our prayer, I would like to begin with Hebrews 12, 1 through 2a. Wherefore, seeing we also are encompassed about with a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Thank you, Lord, for those who have brought honor and glory to your name. May we do so as well. Amen. Nothing worth more that could ever come close. No thing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen. The sweetest of loves When my heart becomes free And my shame is undone And your presence, Lord Holy Spirit Your presence. 
Please turn with me to Luke chapter 6, verse 38. And while you're doing that, I just want to begin by saying that Scripture clearly teaches us that women should be actively involved in the church. We are a part of the body of Christ. Luke 6, verse 38. Give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Women of Boiling Springs Baptist Church and men, how can we give? Let's take a few minutes to consider this important question. Of course, there are the more traditional areas of involvement that are all so important. Teaching, singing, playing instruments, running video and sound equipment, ushering, care ministry, food pantry, committee service, Wednesday night fellowship, meal cleanup crew. We have ladies Bible studies. We have a morning group that meets that is WMU related. We have a group that meets on Wednesday evenings. The bereavement food groups are a special area of service to our friends who are experiencing loss. Vacation Bible School provides opportunities to teach, organize recreation, crafts, and snacks. There are groups of women in our church who visit regularly in the nursing homes and with our shut-ins. And there are women who volunteer to cover church office duties while our staff is in meetings. 
And I'm sure I've forgotten some. I'm sure there's areas that that I haven't even considered. Sometimes we use the excuse that we aren't able or we're too busy. God has plans to use all of us in the advancement of his kingdom. As I reflected on this, there are three women of service that I would like to highlight from my growing up years. First up is my great aunt, Johnny Bridges. She was an humble, quiet, and sweet lady, and she loved babies. God used her gifts to rock babies in the nursery at Poplar Springs Church for over 40 years. That was an area of service. A second example from my childhood was a lady named Mary Isla Harrell. She was weak physically, having suffered several strokes. However, she didn't let that stop her. She called every member of the church on their birthday and sang happy birthday to them, giving them encouragement. Last, but certainly not least, is my mother. As many of you know, she's sometimes not able to be here because of physical uh, reasons, but she has not let that stop her. She has a card ministry that many of you have probably benefited from. She has a special gift of writing cards to encourage her friends in Christ. God has placed us here at this church at this time to carry out his purposes. So here's the challenge. Be creative. Listen to God's call on your life. He will lead you to an area of service that is custom designed to fit your gifts. Thank you. Join me in prayer, please. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for bringing us here as a body of, 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 of Christians who believe in you, Lord. We ask you to continue uh, to give comfort and care to the victims and their families of the senseless act of evil that took place in, in the West this past week. We ask for your continued comfort and care for the victims of the hurricane and the earthquakes that have also taken place. We lift up to you those here with us now who are going through treatment, dealing with illness or injury, and those grieving from the loss of a loved one. Lord, please surround each of them. Minister to their needs, Lord, as only you can. We thank you in advance for the coming rain. You always give us what we need. We ask that you open our ears and eyes and hearts so that we can know your daily call in each of our lives. Let the words spoken today penetrate through all the clutter in our minds. In all things, Lord, may you be glorified and lifted up. Lord, you are worthy of all of our praise. We love you, Lord. We need you, Lord. We praise your holy name. Amen. Let's get our hymnals and stand as we sing hymn number 613. We are travelers 
Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for another day in which to live. We thank you for the many gifts that you have given us. We have so much, and there are many throughout the world who have so little. Help us to be willing to share beyond our tenth, to give more than we ever thought we could. Because like your word says, we will get it back in so many ways and be blessed ourselves. But the real blessing comes from being able to help others and to serve you. We just ask that these gifts will go to the places that you would have them to go and bless those that you would have them bless. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Alone in my sorrows and dead in my sin Lost without hope and no place to begin Your love made a way to let mercy come in When death was arrested in my Do 
didn't my life begin well, That's when death was arrested and my life began Oh, your grace so free It washes over me You have made me your rainless love pouring down on us you have made me new now life begins with you oh your grace It's your rainless love pouring down on us. You have made me new, now life begins with you. You have made me new, now life begins with you. You have made us new. Good morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Samantha Collins. I'm truly honored to be able to be here with you and tell you my story this morning. I wanted to begin by telling you a little bit about me. Um, I'm an elementary music teacher, which means my usual audience is between the ages of five and 12. So uh, speaking in front of adults is not one of my spiritual gifts, but my prayer this week has been that God will speak through me and use me in spite of my weakness. I'm originally from Savannah, Georgia. I came to Gardner-Webb in 2010 and graduated in 2014, and I have lived in Bowling Springs since then. Kenny and I have been married for three years now. In May 2016, I found out I was pregnant. I kept the news to myself for five whole days because I had a really special way that I had always dreamed of telling Kenny. Our photographer friend was coming through town and she met us to try out her new lens. She gave each of us a piece of paper and asked us to write something we love about each other. And we stood back to back. She asked us to turn around to see what the other had written. Kenny had written, she makes me laugh and keeps me honest. I had written, you're going to be a daddy. It felt like an eternity before Kenny responded. And even then, all he could say was, really? After that, he was speechless for about 10 minutes. If you know Kenny, you know that's a big deal. <laughs> During this time, Kenny had gotten a new job that was closer to home. It was a very exciting time for us. We got in the car and we began talking. It was a holiday weekend, and I really wanted to go ahead and head to Savannah to tell my family, even though the pregnancy was very early. We discussed two things that would eventually become very important. 
The first thing was that we decided if we truly believe life begins at conception, then our baby, no matter how small or how young, was a life that was worth celebrating. We also decided that if something did go wrong, we would want our family's support. We would still have to wait about three weeks for our first appointment. We had our first appointment in June. The doctor came in and talked to us. He asked us about our experience so far and told us a little about what to expect in the coming months. We headed to the ultrasound room. The doctor looked at the screen and said, I'm seeing a sac, but I don't see a fetus. There could be two things going on. Either you're earlier than we thought, or this isn't a normal pregnancy. We would go back in a week to see how things had progressed. The next few nights were filled with lots of tears and very little sleep. I knew that my will and God's will were not always the same, and I had a gut feeling that this time I wasn't going to get what I wanted. The next week we went in for another ultrasound and nothing had changed. Our baby had stopped developing very, very early. The doctor tried to comfort us by telling us that this was very common and there's nothing we did wrong. He told us that most people go on to have a healthy pregnancy. He spoke with compassion and gentleness, which was truly a gift from God. We went on to schedule a surgery and tried to figure out how to start healing. I began to do some research about our miscarriage. I read about a woman who had experienced a similar loss. She found comfort in the fact that her sac never developed into a fetus. She believed she had lost a pregnancy, but not a baby. I couldn't ever wrap my mind around that. From the moment I knew I was pregnant, that was our baby. That baby was a life to us, whether scientific or medical terms agreed or not. Even without a heartbeat, I knew there was life inside me. And the moment you know there's life, the dreams begin. We were grieving the loss of our baby, but we were also grieving the dreams and the plans we had for its precious life. I immediately decided I wanted to be able to share our story and be open about our heartbreak. So many times, miscarriage is something that just isn't talked about. Before my surgery, I shared our experience on Facebook. So many of you reached out to me and shared your stories. I was incredibly blessed by the love and support I received from each of you who were so honest and transparent with me. During that summer, God used so many people to show me just how much He loves me. My mom spent many of her vacation days with me. She held me when I cried, took care of me after surgery, and reminded me that I wasn't alone. My mom here, my dad was in Savannah because he had to work. He was planning on coming the following weekend. Well, being a classic daddy's girl, I just wanted my dad to be with me. I asked him if he could come a day early. He said it was a busy week at work and he wasn't sure if he would be able to make it. The next night, my mom and I had gone out to dinner and we were on the way home when my dad called me. He made small talk and asked what we were doing. We turned the corner to our house and dad was sitting there in the driveway. I still have a hard time expressing the love that I felt seeing him there. After my surgery, Kenny and I went on a trip for our anniversary. It was the perfect week of being together and healing. At the very end of the week, Kenny got a call from his new boss, who told him that she had found someone who was better qualified for his job and he didn't need to come in on Monday. I've never been more devastated in my life. I had always heard that we wouldn't be tempted beyond what we can bear, and I always thought that applied to suffering too. During this time, I learned that that's not necessarily true. 
However, the beauty that has come from our suffering has made the difficult days worth every minute. Within two months, Kenny had a job teaching elementary music. It was something he never expected to do, but it was the perfect job for that time in our lives. It was also something he wouldn't have considered if we hadn't been in that position. From that elementary job, he has moved to middle school band and chorus, and he finally feels like he's exactly where he's supposed to be. Well, it took us almost nine months to get pregnant again. Every month felt like a roller coaster. There was hope followed by disappointment. Kenny should really get an award for living with me during this time. In my personal struggle between trusting God's timing and my own desires for a baby, he was often caught in the middle. He continually encouraged me and reminded me that God was working even in our wait. In February, we found out I was pregnant again. Pregnancy after loss is a very complicated thing. We were thrilled to be pregnant again, but much of the excitement was overshadowed by fear and concern. At the first appointment, we found out we were facing the exact same situation as last time. However, during the second miscarriage, God gave me a peace like I had never dreamed of the first time. Because it was our second mis miscarriage, there were tests done this time and we were able to find out that our baby was a boy. We were sent to a genetic counselor to look at the test results. Basically, the test showed that the second miscarriage was a total coincidence. There was nothing preventing a healthy pregnancy. This was the best news that we had received yet. I was encouraged by what the doctor said, but I didn't want my faith and hope to be in what the doctor said or could do. I wanted my hope to be in God alone. After this appointment, I found some verses in Isaiah that were very encouraging to me. So I would like to read Isaiah 55, 8 through 13. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seeds for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that comes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the fields will clap their hands. Verse 13 in the New Living Translation says, Where there were once thorns, cypress trees will grow. Where briars grew, myrtles will sprout up. This miracle will bring great honor to the Lord's name and will be an everlasting sign of his power and love. In less than three years of marriage, we had experienced two miscarriages, the loss of two family members, and three tra job transitions. I don't tell you all this to tell you a sad story or to make you feel sorry for us. I tell you this to tell you how God used all of these experiences. I believe that God uses everything we go through to shape us into people who look more like Him. This brought me hope throughout our losses. I knew that His ways are higher than ours and that He would use these experiences to grow my faith and bring glory to Him. God has always used music to teach me things and comfort me. During this time, I found so many songs that brought me encouragement. 
One of these songs is called The Safest Place. It's actually a Christmas song that my church choir in Savannah sang many, many years ago. During my first miscarriage when my mom was here, I was looking through the CDs in her car and happened to come across this choir CD and I remembered this song. It talks about Mary and the night she and Joseph found the stable. It says, even now in these moments where you know all my fears, remind me again how you've led me here. The safest place in all the world is where I am tonight. No matter where you take me, if you're there, I'll be all right. There'll be time enough for answers when this night is through, but the safest place in all the world is here with you. Having her baby in a stable couldn't have been how Mary pictured that night. But she knew as long as God was with her, it was the safest place she could be. It reminded me that I might not ever get any answers, but as long as I clung to Jesus, I would be okay. This song and story of Mary made me look into other stories about incredible women in the Bible. There are many women and couples in the Bible who faced infertility, including Sarah and Abraham, Rebecca and Isaac, Rachel and Jacob, Samson's mother, Hannah and Elkanah, and Elizabeth and Zechariah. The story that resonates the most with me is Hannah. At the beginning of 1 Samuel 1, it tells us that Hannah could not have children. However, Elkanah's other wife continued to have sons and daughters, even provoking and making fun of Hannah because her womb was closed. In verse 8, it says, Elkanah, her husband, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? This verse tells me two things. The first is that husbands have been trying to fix things for a long time. The beginning of the chapter tells us how much Elkanah loved his wife, and he just wanted to be able to help her. The second thing this verse tells me is that Hannah was a blessed woman, but she still grew bitter and she still wept. Oh, how I can relate to Hannah. Her pain is a familiar pain, a familiar longing, and a familiar frustration. Verse 10 says, Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly to the Lord. In spite of her pain, Hannah brought her feelings to the Lord. She didn't run away from him, she ran to him. Verse 19 says, early the next morning they arose and worshiped before the Lord. Hannah worshiped in faith, even though she hadn't received her miracle. Verse 20 says, in due time, she gave birth to a son. God gave her the desire of her heart in his perfect time. Her son Samuel eventually became the last and one of the greatest judges of Israel. Through our suffering, I was reminded that God knows me better than I know myself. He knew that I had a checklist and a plan of how my life was supposed to go. He used these experiences to remind me that life isn't about my perfect plan, but it's about His. I realized that whether my journey ended with a healthy baby or not, putting my trust in the Lord and His plan was the only way to find true contentment right where I was. I never thought we would be in this journey, but through what I've learned, I wouldn't change a thing. I know there's purpose to these trials. In this experience, I've found true friends who have loved me through it. They have joined us in prayer. They have reached out and let me know they're thinking of me. They have surprised me with kind words and thoughtful gifts. They have not just stood aside and watched us walk. They have joined us and walked with us. 
In this journey, Kenny and I have grown closer. We have shared our hearts, laughed together, and he's let me cry until I don't have anything left. He's been my number one supporter, advocate, and encourager. Sometimes it feels like we've lost so much. In spite of that, God has shown me just how good he is. He consistently shows me his love. He reminds me that he is in complete control and that he will bring us children in his perfect timing. Despite my brokenness, he pours out his unconditional love. Earlier, I referenced 1 Corinthians 13, where God promises that we won't be tempted beyond what we can bear. I mentioned that doesn't apply to suffering. What God does promise about suffering is that he will meet us and carry us through what we have to handle. He won't leave us and he won't forsake us. A blogger, Caroline Harries, lists these reasons for God giving us more than we can handle. So we can rely on him, so we can grow in our faith, so we put all of our trust in him, so he will reveal himself to us, so praise, glory, and honor will result, so we develop perseverance and character, so we can use his comfort to comfort others, so he will strengthen, help, and uphold us, so he can comfort us, so he will be with us and encourage us, so his joy can be our strength, so he can rejoice over us, so he can birth something new, so he can restore, strengthen, support, and make us strong, so he can be our portion, so we can see his goodness. There have been times when people have told me how strong I have been throughout this journey. It hasn't been my strength by any means. God has given me his strength to face each day and give him the glory for it all. During our first miscarriage, I found verses to hang on my mirror so I would be reminded of God's promises every morning. One of them is Psalm 73, 26, which says, My heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. More recently, I looked at the surrounding verses and was amazed. It felt like it was written for me. If we start in verse 21, it says, When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you, yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. My heart was grieved and filled with bitterness, yet God didn't leave. Instead, he held me, guided me, and gave me strength. Now I will choose to tell of his works. I may never understand exactly why God chose to have us walk this path, but I do know this. Our God is bigger than miscarriage. He's bigger than infertility. He's bigger than our pain and our heartbreak. He's bigger than our fears and our broken dreams. He is faithful and he will lead us through any storm we may walk through. Please pray with me. Dear God, thank you for bringing us here together this morning. Thank you for the ability to come together and worship freely. Thank you for turning ashes into beauty. God, help us put our hope in you alone. Help us trust you on the mountaintop 
and in the valleys, in the sunshine and in the rain. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand as we sing hymn number 305. protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace.